Hello and welcome back to The Growing Revolution. I'm Eric Olson with Smart Pot Fabric Planters and our guests this week are Jim Egan and Ben Thompson from Plant Success. Their company is responsible for such mainstay products like Great White, Orca, King Crab and others. So without further ado, Jim and Ben, welcome to the podcast. Excited, Thanks, Eric. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having us, Eric. Yeah, th thanks for uh, making the time. Appreciate you guys. Uh, so, Jim, uh, I understand that Plant Success is very much a family company. Can you tell us about the company and its origins? Yeah, we're very much a family business. We have been since 1999. Um, it started with my parents and my brothers, and we started packaging this stuff and making the products and early, early in the days in our garage, uh, in the first, you know, a couple months, first years, we eventually graduated to a warehouse and, uh, continue to experiment and develop new products. Um, we were picked up by a number of magazines like high times, and they started recommending our, our products to the cannabis community. So we started moving into that, but we serve retail, lawn and garden, wholesale. We do, um, really all facets of the mycorrhizal and the microbial manufacturing but uh we are indeed a family business uh we've expanded you know we obviously have more employees now and we consider them family uh we really uh run this business as if everyone is family uh ben is like the brother that i never wanted um he's uh he's definitely part of the family now uh ben has been a great addition to the plant success and plant revolution family um and yeah, we, uh, we are located in Southern California. We've been doing this a long time. We've seen the industry grow. Um, I really have grown up in this company, in this industry. So, you know, we didn't understand soil biology as well as we do now. And, you know, some of the stuff that we're going to share with you today is even as recent as the last year or two and the microscope technology and, and what we're discovering about how soil and these soil organisms work is it's really mind-blowing i'm really excited to get to some of that but um yeah we're very fortunate uh, my eldest brother josh he works in the uh in the operation side of things my sister works for the company my parents are still involved so we are we're chugging along uh, as a family business and um yeah we just continue to try and innovate and serve our customers and uh, we've really seen the company and the the products grow. So, yeah. So, so were the plant success products uh, always targeted towards the cannabis industry, or was it just brought out as a general plant care product? It was a general plant care product in the beginning, and it still is really because uh, the simple answer is that all plants depend on microbial communities to flourish. So there are specifics, and we'll talk about that, but um, in general, our products, even our most specific products, will work with about 80% of plants. So to call that specific is uh, kind of funny, but um, there are different delivery methods for different styles of agriculture and cultivation. And that's really where the differences come in is, you know, is this thing water soluble? Is it a liquid? Is it a powder? Is it a granular material? Um, it just depends on the form of agriculture cultivation that's being used and how we deliver the microbes to that. 
plant success was the original line. Um, people confuse the name of the company. The name of the company is actually plant revolution, but yeah, the plant success tablets. So like old school growers will remember the tabs, the granular, the soluble, the root dip gel. Um, those were the early product formations. And as we started learning more about controlled environment growing, um, about, uh, indoor hydroponic growing, these different styles of cultivation that were coming on board in the early 2000s, we uh, reformulated, but really found um, found a way to deliver the microbes in a way that would work for these growers. So that's when we came out with gray white, which is a dissolvable powder. Uh, it doesn't leave any residue and um, it's just really easy to use. We then came out with uh, pure liquid, which a lot of guys use. A lot of farmers like to deal with pure liquids. It's just easier to use. Um, and, you know, and then let's see, we have uh, the king crab. We decided to go with the pure liquid for that one as well. So they're really just delivery methods for the microbes. And yeah, the products have evolved and continue to evolve as we learn more about um how these microbes function and how agriculture is being conducted in the modern era. Yeah. Yeah. You had mentioned, uh, your great white, uh, product. I've been using that for gosh, uh, 10, 12 years and, and just love it. Um, who should be using great white and are there any instances where I wouldn't want to use it? Uh, either certain times of the growth cycle or, uh, certain plants. Uh, I think you had mentioned that 80% of plants will benefit from your products. Maybe like what are some that wouldn't as much? I'll let, I've been talking too much. I'll let Ben handle this one. Actually, most all plants will benefit from those products. When we talk about the 80%, there is some, you know, there's some science still left there to be done as far as the mycorrhizal side goes. But when you add in the trichoderma, the bacteria, the lesser fungi that we use, soil yeast, basically your soil benefits from that. The plant, regardless what plant you use, is going to benefit from it. The rhizome area is going to benefit from it. There really isn't a plant you wouldn't want to use great white with. It really becomes, for most growers, an issue of cost, right, return on investment. And we always do our best to, to make sure that not only do we produce the best products, but we also help our customers use them in a way that, guarantees a better ROI and they understand the price point really is just pennies per plant. So when you ask, are there situations where you wouldn't want to use great white? Yeah, I don't think there's actually a situation, but there are better ways to go about your delivery system, as Jim said. So let's say, for example, you're a deep water culture or you had a true hydroponic system where you're running full irrigation. The reason we developed Orca is for those growers that want that very clean system, and that's something that's a concern, I think, for anybody that, that is running a, a full hydroponic or deep water culture system. We always say start with our great white because you can't get a better start for your plants than that full complement of bacteria and and other organisms. There's words I'd like to use. We're not allowed to call them that, but reality is, is you know, those are the biotics there in the soil that or around the plant that help produce so many different benefits. So we say start with great white. And when you go and you actually transplant into your deep water culture system or you, you put it into your hydroponic system, follow up through the veg state, which is four to six weeks with, uh, with the orca. And you finish that out all the way to harvest with king crab. That's the only scenario where I would say you're better off 
walking through that schedule of feed and, and using it like that rather than the entire the entire grow. Great white is something to be added in at any time, but obviously you want to increase the you know the benefit that you get from it. And that in that scenario, that's that's the way I would do that. Otherwise, great white is for it's formulated in a way that you can dust it on the roots at the time of transplant, or you can add it in later, and it'll filter through the soil surface. That's just the way we designed it to be something that can be a, a some some farmers and some growers they think about these things ahead of time and then new new people to the you know the growing world regardless of what you're growing they may find out two or three weeks after they've transplanted oh geez can i still add mycorrhizae of course you can that's the way the product is developed awesome awesome so so you'd say probably the best way to to really use your products is to uh focus on applying the microbes early and then feeding that uh, that population throughout the rest of the grow versus you know keep adding more microbes throughout the process. Well, yes and no. With the mycorrhizae, the full benefit that you're going to get as far as them colonizing is going to happen in the first six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. The bacteria, though, are free living organisms, right? And so they their life cycle is significantly different, and you benefit from having those lesser organisms, the free living organisms being added in throughout and Jim made a comment earlier and he didn't really expound on it to what the, the current science is showing us about bacteria actually being an endophyte and the, the benefit that they're showing inside the root structure themselves. That's still science. that's you know, they're the research is happening right now. It's very exciting, but there is benefit to the, the free living organisms to continually add them in. And yes, you do want to make sure there's a food source there for them. Obviously the mycorrhizae, they feed off the sugars that the plant produces, and they're connected inside the plant cell tissue. So the mycorrhizae will not die unless the plant dies. Bacteria, on the other hand, well, they're free-living organisms. So imagine mycorrhizae in there. They have a nice warm coat, and they're protected. Bacteria are going to deal with whatever the environment is. And a lot of times, guys like to run uh, hydrogen peroxide or different cleaners through their systems. Those obviously are going to hurt the bacterias, and so you're going to want to reapply the bacterias. Because having that microbiome in there is very important through it. But the mycorrhizae, something you're, a lot of the listeners out there may not know, the mycorrhizae will not be affected by that. Once it's colonized in the plant, it is in the plant for the life cycle. So when you flush your system, don't worry about hurting the mycorrhizae. It's fine. Nice, nice. Good to know. Good information. Um, ben, what's your background prior to uh, to joining the company? And uh, what what's your current role? Like, what's your day-to-day? Well, uh, every now and then I help Jim hide a body. That's why I have plenty of job security. My, my day-to-day, uh, I'm, uh, my title is business development manager. Uh, I think that when I came on with the company, the idea was just to, to help them on the technical side to, to be able to increase sales. But my background is actually manufacturing. I cut my teeth working with companies like Toyota Production Systems and Danaher Business Systems. And you learn a lot about manufacturing. After uh, about seven years of doing that, I went to work for the largest mycorrhizal producer in the world, and I helped build that. Uh, I was part of the, the core team there. I think I was maybe the seventh or eighth employee. And I spent about a decade there, and I got to apply those manufacturing skill sets to the other side of the scientific world. And you know, after almost two decades of, of manufacturing and doing that, I really realized I love, I, I love soil. I grew up on a farm. So I I loved, I had no idea what was going on there. And I learned so much doing that. And I wanted to continue doing that work. And I had the opportunity to then uh, work with Jim and his family. And I think the, 
you know, having that manufacturing background and having a, a very technical understanding of our products, that I was part of developing all of these products uh, even before I worked with them. That gave me a, a unique opportunity to work with the family. That, And I have a big family myself, and it's an interesting, you know, it's a dynamic. And so, you know, it's a fun thing. I, I get it. And so they, they did. They adopted me as their redheaded stepchild. And at this point, I, I, I am, I guess, uh, Mark... Uh, our CEO will call me the general manager of the company, but you know, given that the way that our team works and the way we are as a family, I, I think uh, I don't really. I'm not really like the boss of anybody. I'm just out there developing new strategies, new opportunities, along with Jim, who's doing the same thing and and bringing that back to the team. And then we, you know, we discuss it together. So I, I'm more of an information gatherer and an R and D guy, uh, along with with so many other roles that I get. To, and that's one of the fun things about working for the company is that I get the opportunity to you know, work on all those skill sets, but that's, that's my background and that's what I do day to day now. Yeah. Yeah. I I've worked for a lot of small companies as well. A lot of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, family companies over the years. And I always love working for the small family companies much more than uh, big corporate um, because, you know, if you have a great idea, you know, you shoot it up real quick and it's like, all right, let's do it. Or it gets shot down right away. You know, that's terrible, <laughs> you know, for this reason. And uh, you just get a lot quicker turnaround time uh, on things with a small company. So it um, does make it exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Dynamic for sure. Uh, guys, the cannabis industry has seen a general downturn over the last year. How have you guys been dealing with the ups and downs of the industry recently? Well, it actually was a good thing for us. A lot of the other companies that have come in in, say, the past decade, trying to get in on the green rush, specifically in the cannabis industry, they had not lived through these things. They hadn't seen the, the ebbs and flows that happened, and it was disaster for them. But that's actually always proved to be a good thing for us. So there was another downturn similar to this in 2017 that ran through part of 2018 and we've all been around on this call long enough to have felt it when you when we saw that happen what it did was weed out a lot of competition for us and given that that boom in business we had during that pandemic time we grew and i think a lot of other companies can share the pain with us here we grew like 500 percent you know it was incredible the amount of growth and that's a very short turn especially when the supply chain so choked so it's actually given us a chance to take a breath and rebuild infrastructure inside our company and get ready for the next step. And you know, we have a lot of exciting things coming in the very near future, but it's been a good thing for us. I, I think the marketplace as a whole, there's a lot of people out there that, that had a difficult time with it, but we're already starting to see signs of life. And for those that were, you know, know the ebbs and flows and they made hay while the sun shine and they set a little hay aside, well, then they're going to benefit immensely in this coming year. I, I see great things. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, high caliper growing. We, uh, you know, took the last two years to like expand our parking lots and build more bathrooms to accommodate more employees and, you know, redid our lighting within our factories. So yeah, the smart companies uh, were, you know, investing in themselves. Uh, you know, it sounds like you guys have been. And what's interesting too is, you know, I haven't, I didn't put this piece together until recently, but the larger ag agricultural industry um, you know, sometimes when things are good, we, uh, we're not maybe as efficient as we should be. And when that comes to inputs and fertilizers, um, 
I think that what we're seeing now is that, that there's a supply crunch. And so people are having to become more efficient with their inputs, which from an environmental perspective is good. Um, from, a, from a bottom line perspective is good. And it's interesting how we tie into that is that, um, you know, and we can get into this more, but essentially the more robust your microbial community is on your root system, the less fertilizer you need. Um, and this is coming into focus now in a really big way. And uh, really the regenerative, fo regenerative folks are pushing this. The researchers and the scientists at the universities and the farmers who are interested in clean air, clean water, profit, because you're not paying all your money to the fertilizer companies, they're focusing on biology, both through inoculants and practices. And we can talk about that connection between plant fertilizer and microbes a little bit more in depth, but um, you know, it's interesting that this downturn and these, these fertilizer shortages with what's going on, uh, you know, in foreign policy and in Ukraine and such. Um, and I don't think those have fully hit us yet. I was listening to an interview recently that 2022, that was still, you know, those supplies are from before this conflict happened. I think we're really going to see the crunch next year. And so. and so, you know, building up that biology and using these types of products and compost teas and worm castings, um, those nutrient pathways are open. The nutrients are in the soil. They, they're, you know, the stuff that gets locked up is a huge percentage. It's like 75% of the total nitrogen or phosphorus in the soil is locked up. And the way you access that is these microbial communities. Um, but we can, I don't know, I could, I'm really excited about microbes right now. <laughs> I'm going to talk forever. <laughs> well, you, if you, don't you stop should me. be. It's kind of your business. Yeah, that's right. Well, it ebbs and it flows. Doing this for my entire life, it's like, yeah, microbes, great, big deal. Uh, right, but when right. it affects water quality, when it affects dead zones, when it affects drinking water, when it affects, um, you know, mining and, and, and fuel emissions, it really affects everything. I mean, the food supply is, is humongous. And the amount of fertilizers that we're using and wasting and ruining ecosystems, it, it just pisses me off. Yeah, makes uh, makes sense to me. Um, I wanted you you guys had kind of you know touched on uh, general challenges in you know manufacturing and distribution. What what have been some of your biggest challenges in manufacturing and distribution? Has it been you know production? Has it been logistics? Has it been you know just securing containers? What how what have you guys been dealing with? Well, there's a lot of parts to that question. I think everybody in the last couple of years has had some issues with, you know, with logistics. One of our goals, and, and, and we did this beforehand, it just worked out very well for the pandemic. We had diversified so that we have partners on most of the continents that we do business on because we sell internationally. Fortunately, we had the ability to move small quantities and they were able to do packaging for us and, and help our supply chain stay strong. But we saw those things. We had, to, we had to reinvent and rethink how we were going to do things. And moving a container to containers costing 20, 30 grand, where it was costing, you know, 2,500 bucks just uh, six months before and our lead times. That was something else we were also very fortunate with. We did most of our, most of the containers. Like, for example, if we have somebody over, you know, in Europe and they're doing work for us, we find a, a container manufacturer over there so that we don't have to ship things overseas. And for, for us, you know, we obviously have domestic suppliers and we make sure that they're sourcing from domestic manufacturers because that, you know, the idea of having to wait 
40 or 50. I think the longest lead time we were given was about a 60-week lead time sometime in 2020 to get some of these containers from other manufacturers. And, yes, it cost us a, a penny or two more, but that's all right. And we try to support mostly, uh, you know, domestic manufacturers anyway. So that, that was a challenge there. Uh, there are technical challenge, challenges, obviously, when you're working with a living product. This isn't just like a, a sprocket. You know, we we are constantly looking to improve the performance of our product, shelf stability. Uh, things going to, you, you don't think about it. You look at a container, and when you're thinking about just putting some random thing, you don't think, you know what, I probably have to have that UV coated because these organisms are sensitive to light, right? They're sensitive to heat. We need to make sure that our packaging, although it looks great, it also serves a functional purpose. And, of course, you know, with increased volume that, that we've had to do the, the past couple years, we also had to come up with innovative ways. It's interesting for people out there that haven't ever built equipment or, or scaled up, you find that there's a lot of equipment out of there, but none of it is made specifically for you. So you're going to buy something, and then you're going to fabricate for yourself to make it work. And so that, that also has been a challenge. And then along with... With you and I'm sure everybody else out there, with that immense growth, we had to bring on new staff. And it takes time. You have to train people. You have to go through there and find people that have the right skill sets. And so that, those were challenges, too. But I think that's all just the standard stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, the growing pains of, of any business, uh, definitely. Um, so our companies have had a really good relationship uh, over the years. Um is that because our products work synergistically? We're really great people overall, and we get along, or is it a little bit of both? Certainly not the, the latter. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. You're our favorites. Every trade uh, show well, we, we go to, we end up getting dinner or hanging out with you guys. Yes. Like, Seems like it. Kurt's great. Well, Jeff's great. Everyone. You guys are all awesome. We love SmartPod. Well, pot. there's two different sides there, too. I mean, Jimmy Jimmy and, and his family, they have a relationship from, with you guys that span before. And I've, I've been, a gosh, friends with Kurt now for, what, 12 years? You know, and I'm, I met him first. I didn't know any of you guys on the on the indoor garden side. Nobody that worked over there. I knew him from the Far West show, from you know going up there, and and he'd take us out to this Middle Eastern restaurant. And it was the greatest thing, and it became a tradition. So I, you know, I think Jim came what two three years. You were up there with me. It was our tradition. After that, we would eat. You know, we'd, we'd do the show, and then we'd head out there. And this guy recognized us every year, and he just starts serving food until he couldn't eat anymore. And we'd have these. I mean, I've it was been wonderful. to that place. Yeah. Well, you've probably been there with us then. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, Jeff, there's a lot you know, of wine flowing. That's right. And Jeff is, I mean, you talk to anyone in the industry, Jeff Arnold is top tier. I mean, the guy knows everything. He's just the kindest, you know, smartest businessman. Um, so, yeah, besides the fact that you have great people uh, in your company and you treat your employees very well, our products are are perfectly matched and, and I'll tell you why. You know, smart pots, they're so lightweight, they're so easy to use, they allow air movement, you know, it's just crucial for the microbes. You get air and water, you get a good ratio. Um, it's crucial for root health. Uh, they're so easy to set up, right? So you can just build a garden anywhere, anytime, uh, whether it's a, you know, a patio on a hundred story building, a backyard, um, an indoor grow, an outdoor grow. They're small, they're big, they're, they're just the easiest pots to use. They don't heat up in direct sun. Um, so you guys have a tremendous product, uh, not to mention the stitch quality, the materials that you use, they'll last many seasons. 
Um, so you're not buying something cheap that's going to break. Uh, and on top of that, so, you know, you put soil in there and you're going to need to create, like I said, what's most important for these roots is the microbes. And so you essentially need to create an ecosystem in these pots. And we are probably the easiest, cheapest way to do that. We're, we're a concentrate. So you mix it in water, pour it in. You've got your, I would call them your base species. You have something to work with that's going to dominate that root zone. And it's not just going to be by chance whatever lands in there. So um, in terms of smart pods, yeah, a microbial inoculant is like, besides soil, is, is crucial. Um, and to add to that, you know, worm castings, compost, you build up that organic matter, you build up those microbes, you add forest soil from wherever, you know, you want to get really, you want to get your diversity into that root zone. But that's why Plant Success Products and Great White have traditionally gone so well with smart pots because guys are using soil, they're using a soilless medium, they're using something that needs this microbial community. So, I mean, they're just, it's a perfect match, really, in my opinion. But all that Ben yeah. expounds. Well, to talk. Well, no, it's uh, I'm not itching to talk, but I, <laughs> I, I run the majority of the R and D that we do for the company, and from the first year that I came on, to to this day, right now there are plants out there in the field, and they're all in smart pots. We try to use other pots, and you know, if you went out there and you bought, and we don't do small stuff, right? We're we have 500 or a thousand of those pots out there. Now, if you had to buy those every year, there's it's actually, you know, it can add up over the years. And the great thing about smart pots is those pots that are out there right now, this is the third year, and they're not showing any sign of wear. And, and you know, we don't live in, you know, consistent conditions. Up here where we do this, I, I'm based here in southern Oregon. This summer it was a, it hit 113 degrees, and last week it was 22, right? And some of these pots are out there in the field with the soil in there. They'll be, the soil will be taken out. They'll be cleaned and reused, and you can do that with them. But we've run our every trial that we've done for the almost the past decade. Smart pots have been involved in them in one place or another because we, along with growing in the soil, which is, you know, it's the wild west, right? You don't know what's in that soil. You don't know how things are going to react. People will give you a lot of answers about what they saw in a lab. Well, the lab is not the real world, and so we do some in soil grows just to see how things happen. But we also need sometimes to narrow it down and see a specific effect. And having those smart pots and be able to, like Jim said, have your own microbiome in there that you create, and then you can see the, the cause and effect or the causality and results, they're perfect for that. They're, they're a wonderful product, and they are long-lasting, like Jim said. And that's something I appreciated about them because we used several other pots. We threw them out there. You know, you're at trade shows, and people hand you their stuff. And sure, we throw them out there, and they disintegrate halfway through the season. And you're, you're having to try to move them over, and it just, it's terrible. But our, our products go so well together, and your, and your guys' products so, work so well for us because they also, they kind of air prune, right? And they have the ability, when you set them on soil, one thing I love about it is that when you add our biology in there, if you have a rich soil underneath it, those roots will find their way through that bag, and they'll draw everything out of the soil there, too. So it's been some of our best pictures. You look at our marketing pictures, it's incredible, you know, what we're able to do. And you'll see the roots just blowing out of the bag, but... They're, pr they're air pruning around the outside themselves, obviously, and they don't heat up like Jim said. I mean, there's a lot of these things I just, over the years of doing R&D, you run into so many issues, and your guys' product was a, a great solution for them. Yeah, appreciate those kind words, and I'm going to cut this out and make a commercial out of you guys. <laughs> um, but, yeah, definitely SmartPot, great product. Uh, plant Success products are great, but when you put them together, that's when you get the real uh, effect. 
Um, so yeah, if anybody is you know using smart pots but is not using you know plant success microbes, give them a try. You'll definitely see a boost. Um, so you guys had mentioned uh, that you're being distributed uh, besides the United States. What other countries can uh, can um, people pick up your products in? Like I know you guys are distributed by Sustainable Organic uh, Kuwait. Shout out to uh, Jasm over there. Uh, who else are you guys working with? Jim, you want me to fill that or you want that? Go for it. Uh, Dutch Garden Supplies in Europe. We, we work with them. Obviously, we work with, with Hydrofarm also over there in Europe as a partnership uh, between them and, and Dutch. We have Stealth Garden Supplies down there in Australia. So we're, we're available there. Uh, we are also being distributed in Thailand. We have a couple distributors that are working out there. So we're available in most of the countries in the EU, uh, the UK, Australia, South America. We're working with a, a distributor down there, and uh, we actually found a very good partner, a ni- nice young man that worked his tail off for us. Uh, check out his social media down there, uh, Andy's Organics. He does an incredible job, but he hustled it, and he worked hard uh, with all the regulatory, which I'll tell you, I want to talk about the biggest challenge of working with microbes. Registering a smart pot somewhere in fabric is no big deal. Tell them you want There's to bring no fungus. There's no registration. You're right, right. Tell them you want to bring fungus in their country, and people, like, lose their stuff. You know, that's – nobody wants to be the person that opens the next Pandora box. So it, it takes a lot of hard work from individuals like this. So Marcelo Rubio down there, the great guy, set us up, and then a partnership with Hydrofarm and another distributor down there, uh, we set up a pretty good a pretty good supply chain in South America as well. So really – I think Antarctica is the only place you can't get our product right now. I mean, there, there's a few places we legally can't sell. They're embargoed. But other than that, I think our product, if it's not being sold legitimately, is being bootlegged into about every country on Earth. Nice. Nice. As, as it should be. And, uh, yeah, the growing cycle in Antarctica is pretty slim. Mostly a, <laughs> mostly a controlled totally. environment down there. <laughs> That's right. Total hydro setup. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how can folks find you guys online? Like, uh, what's your website and social media handles? Yeah. So great white Myco is like our handle, our ubiquitous handle. So that's Instagram, uh, Facebook, I believe YouTube, maybe plant revolution, but plantrevolution.com is our website. Uh, hit us up on LinkedIn. Um, can email us. I'm Jim at plant-success.com. Uh, ben is the same. Ben at plant-success.com. Uh, we're yeah, we're. I think it's pretty much all. Jim's of it. reaching it. Maybe we need to start one of those fan club PO boxes. They can just write in fan mail to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 you guys have helped so many growers over the years. Uh, you guys deserve some uh, thank you cards uh, <laughs> and whatnot. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to cover um, on the podcast here that that we didn't touch on? Yeah, I was really hoping. I kind of want to catch everyone up to speed on where the science is with our stuff. I guess we could have done that earlier. But, yeah, so there's soil science is evolving rapidly. Um, Anyone in the industry will tell you that, anyone paying attention to what's going on. And it, it has to do a lot with the technology and what we're able to observe. And um, specifically, like microscopes and, you know, their uh, continued advancement is allowing us to see even smaller uh, what's going on in root systems and microbes. And there's this whole new uh, area of research around endophytes and um, what they call rhizophagy. 
Uh, Rhizo is root, phagy is some sort of, uh, it's like a destruction, like a breaking down of. And so, I don't even know how, there's so much information. The macro scale is that we're able to look into soil now and study all the different forms of phosphorus and nitrogen. Plants don't just take up one. Um, and so the form of nitrogen that's available to the plant, uh, it they like different forms of nitrogen actually take more energy from the plant. Some take more, some take less. That's interesting, right? So mm -hmm. that energy, that sugar, that photosynthesis um, for nitrate is different than it is for other forms of nitrogen. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, I'm not an expert on that, but that blew my mind. Uh, so these other forms of nitrogen oftentimes get bound up and are unavailable to the plant in the traditional, um, a conventional soil testing scheme. Uh, you mix in biology and these other forms suddenly become available. That's what the biology do. The plant makes sugar with photosynthesis and it's estimated that 20 to 30% of that sugar is excreted through the root tips. And the reason that it's excreted through the root tips is to feed this microbial community, which then goes out and essentially farms minerals and nutrients and bring those back to the plant. If the plant didn't have those, the roots would not be able to access all of that nutrition in the soil. They're just not designed to do it alone. They're designed to work with this microbial community. So soil tests are rapidly expanding to include all of these other types of uh, nutrition in the soil. And the focus is now on boosting that microbial community to access those nutrients instead of dumping a ton of fertilizer on there that's only 25% available and then washing off into local waterways. So the way that we look at agriculture and soil is, is really moving towards these microbial communities. Things like cover crops, um, you know, reduced tillage, all those restorative agricultural practices are allowing the microbial communities to return and to flourish and, and thus providing these ecosystem services, which reduces the inputs by the farmer. Um, that's one piece of it, which is a huge piece of it. Um, and the other piece that I think is really fascinating, people can look more into it. There's a researcher, Dr. James White is his name at Rutgers. He's doing a lot of this research and it's essentially they're discovering that plants are allowing bacteria to enter into their roots. Um, they dissolve the, the cell wall of these, of these bacteria and other forms of microbes. Uh, they extract the nitrogen and the other nutrients from these bacteria. If the bacteria survive this process, a lot of them don't. If they do, they're excreted back out through the root, which is what they think a lot of the root hairs um, are built from this process and that plants without microbial communities have zero if, if very little root hairs because the microbes are dead. So they excrete these nutrients or these the bacteria back out through their roots, the biology goes back out into the soil, harvests more minerals and nutrients, right? This is unlocking those previously locked up bound nutrients. They're getting those nutrients and then heading back into the root. Um, it's estimated that 20 to 30% of nitrogen in a lot of studies is extracted from this process alone. So, I mean, that's the 10,000 foot view. That's like what's going on in, in soil science and understanding these microbial communities of plants. Um, so it's, it's really mind blowing. I mean, there's so much more, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. And I'm sure Ben can add a lot to that. 
Well, I, I could, but I, the only thing I'll add to it is I want to thank all the growers out there. You, know, you said we, we deserve a, a thanks for all the growers that have helped, uh, that we've helped. But these growers out there, uh, whether they're in the indoor garden industry, out there in the agricultural arena, horticulture, <clears throat> the ability for, for Jim and I and the rest of our team to learn has been greatly on their shoulders. They help us to understand their application methods. They help us to understand current uh, you know, and upcoming best practices in their fields. And then we take that and we try to design our products around that. So, you know, big thanks to all of our, our customers out there and all the, the people that have helped us to develop this technology and to continue to, to be on the forefront of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I can speak for High Caliper Growing. Uh, without our loyal customers, um, we're just making fabric bags. So, um, yeah, with, without the complete cycle and the feedback that we get, uh, yeah, we, we wouldn't be in business for 40 years. So um, that, that, that's just fascinating stuff. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, um, microbes and, uh, you know, bacteria and fungi are going to be leading the agricultural revolution um, as we're, you know, running out of fertilizer, you know, products in general, especially phosphorus, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, we could be basically making phosphorus extinct, uh, you know, within a matter of time. That's kind of scary. So to know that we have people, you know, such as yourselves, kind of directing the ship back in the right direction, working with Mother Nature rather than against it, uh, I think we have a bright future um, as an agricultural industry and, and hopefully as a, a, a planet in general. So, um, guys, on that note, we, we could talk plants and plant science all day. And maybe we should uh, have a, another episode down the line uh, getting into some of the more technicals. So, on that note, thank you so much for your time, guys, and uh, joining us on The Growing Revolution. Well, thanks for having us. Uh, awesome. Good to talk to you, Eric. Likewise.